to So What Do You Think, a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jay and with me here is B. Hi. So I'm very excited because tonight we're going to link back to one of my favourite past episodes that we've done. Uh, it was brought to my attention recently that the Dyatlov Pass incident that happened, if you'll remember, back in Siberia uh, in the 50s may have happened again. So tonight we're talking about the Kmar Daben incident. I'm assuming you've not heard of this because no. you were surprised when I raised, raised it the other day. Yes. Um, I'm really excited because um, that Dyatlov Pass incident was a big head scratcher. We don't, I mean, we can guess what we think happened. Um, we always go straight to the government, definitely government conspiracy. Spoiler alert for those who haven't listened to that episode. If you haven't listened to the episode, go and listen to it because it was a good one. But I heard that a similar thing happened here in 1993. And it was also students who had gone out on a hiking expedition. So the case also happened in Siberia. However, it was on the other side of Siberia. So anyone who knows geography, it's a big place, right? So the Dyatlov Pass one happened more uh, closer to Europe, whereas this happened closer to Mongolia. So the Kmar Daman Range is where it happened. And um, unlike the Dyatlov case, this happened in summer rather than winter. So you'll remember from that case, they were dealing with the elements as far as snow and, and storms and that sort of thing goes. A Siberian summer, though, it's no, it's no walk in the park. It's generally pretty grey and wet and miserable. You know, it's not sunshines and lollipops. So it I wasn't necessarily... like Serbia is a country generally, not sunshine and lollipops from... Siberia? Yeah. <laughs> like, just from what I've heard and seen, like... yeah. It uh, look, like it's, it's Russia. Like it's yeah, it's not yeah, going to be. Yeah. Sunny. <laughs> no, no. There's no sunshine, glitter, sparkles, and all yeah, that. Stuff. Exactly. So it's August 1993, 34 years after the Dyatlov incident, and we have another case of students wanting to get a special hiking certification. What is it with Russians and their hiking qualifications? Seriously, like it seems to be the thing that you do when you go to uni, which is awesome. I mean, I'm right into hiking, as you know. I didn't even know a hiking qualification was a thing. Mm, I wonder what the equivalent would it's be. It's walking. Yeah. <laughs> It's survival skills, B. It's survival. And oh. especially in Siberia, you know that you're going to need to survive out there, man. Well, yeah, after the first story, yes, you do yes, have to survive exactly. out there. Um, you think that they'd be, they were a country always leading expeditions for a living because they all seem to want to get certified so they can take other people out. So I don't know what that means as far as like maybe a tour, tourism industry or maybe it's just locals wanting to go out and do more hiking. Still, it clearly means a lot to them. These guys were out there not only learning the hiking, um, it wasn't quite as an extreme hiking certificate um, or hiking route as the other guys were doing. These guys were a lot younger. They were teenagers. So they were just um, doing a little bit more of an easy trek, I think. Mm -hmm. So this time it's a group of six students and their instructor, 41-year-old Ludmila Korovina. Uh, Ludmila, or Luda as we'll call her, was a master instructor. She was known for her tough love approach, and that gave her a reputation of being one of the best instructors out there. 
Now, the area itself was thought to be quite safe. It was somewhere that tourists frequented. All of those hiking Russians out there in this place. Luda brought along with her her 23-year-old protege, Sasha Kryzen, whom she had known since he was a child. And with them, those two was the rest of the students. This consisted of 24-year-old Tatiana Filipenko, 19-year-old Denis Shevenkun, 17-year-old Valentina or Valya Yudichenko, 16-year-old Victoria Zelasova, and 15-year-old Timur Bapanov. So on August 2nd, 1993, the group set out from the town of Marino, one of the three hiking groups in the area at the time. Luda's daughter, Natalia, was actually leading one of the other groups that were out there hiking, and they had actually made plans for the two groups to intersect each other and meet up on the 5th of August and take the rest of the trip together. Now, this wasn't a spur-of-the-moment trip. They'd been planning it for months, so everyone knew each other really well. They'd been doing training sessions and that sort of thing. So they set off into the mountains, and as the forecast had predicted, they had pretty good weather for the first two days. And therefore, they made pretty good progress. They're actually a little bit ahead of schedule at that time. Now, the Kmar Daben range is not really that high. The highest point of it is just under 2,400 metres. So we're not talking the extreme mountainous area that the Dyatlov uh, people were in either. But it was a good long distance, more of an endurance hike than anything. It just wasn't too technical, that's all. Just like the Dyatlov group, they journaled the whole way. And for those first two days, at least everything seemed to be going well. So on day three, August the 4th, the weather turned and it rained a lot. They were soaked and all their gear was soaked, meaning that they were cold and exhausted from that extra weight as well. Apparently there was some sort of cyclone that hit Mongolia and they had the effects of that being felt. Luda decided that everyone was in need of a rest before they collapsed. So instead of making it to the arranged camp location that night, they made an emergency camp. Now, I don't know whether or not the group just couldn't physically go on or if maybe the visibility was bad because of the rain, but they essentially just ended up plonking themselves right where they sat, which was in quite an exposed location. And some people comment on this because apparently there was a tree line not that far from them, a couple of kilometres from them that they could have had more shelter. But I feel as though, you know, we've all been out in the rain that's just so ridiculous and you go, okay, I can't actually walk any further. So let's chuck the tents up and get a little bit of shelter. They also were unable to build a fire that night, obviously, because it was raining so much. Although they did manage to get one going in the morning for breakfast. There was obviously a break in the weather. Records show that despite what was likely a pretty shitty night, they seemed to be in quite good spirits and they were still on track to meeting Natalia's group that day just because they'd gotten ahead those first couple of days. That was not to be the case, though, as although Natalia waited for her mother at the arranged point, she never showed up. So she wasn't concerned, though. She knew that the weather had been really bad and would have slowed them down. And she had faith in her mother's ability. She was a master hiking guide. So she was all cool with that. Um, and she just figured, look, we've missed them. Then just They've just not made it in time. Unfortunately, what had happened was not a simple delay. Nothing was heard or seen from the group for the next five days. And then on August 10th, some kayakers were paddling through the rivers of the Kemadaben Mountains 
and were in quite a remote area when they looked up and saw a girl standing on the river's edge. This seemed really strange to them because they were so far from anywhere and they paddled over to her trying to work out what, what on earth was going on. Immediately she became hysterical and managed to get out finally that she had been part of a hiking group and that something terrible had happened and it was Valia. So the kayakers took her into town, took a couple of days, I think, for them to get back to town. They were quite far, far out into the bush. They alerted the police who set out a search party to try and find the rest of the group. So Valia, she was really traumatised. She was hysterical when they found her. She could barely get out what had happened, even like on a uh, abbreviated version of what had happened. Took her a couple of days to, to actually say what had happened. So she gave them the basics at first and they went out looking. Finally, when she gave the uh, version that had a little bit more detail, this is what she said. So on August... I'm not not ready. (laughs) Do you need a moment? Do you need to go and have a stiff drink of something? (laughs) Like a (laughs) Band-Aid. Well, yeah, I mean... It, it, it's it's freaky you know what's coming you know because you've already listened about the diet love people so you know it's going to be something oh. weird <laughs> all right so this was her story on august 5th after they had that awful cold and wet night they had had their brekkie and set off for the day everyone was tired but they pushed on until about 11 a.m and as they were coming down a hill Sasha all of a sudden became ill. So this is the uh, master trainer's protege guy. All of a sudden, he just started to scream. And everyone looked at him and wondered what the hell was going on and saw that he was bleeding from his eyes and ears and frothing at the mouth, just randomly. But why? (laughs) This is why I don't exercise and go hiking. I don't think you're in any danger of this. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) No, that's true. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, He then uh, went into a seizure, falling to the ground. So Luda freaked out. You know, this is her sort of replacement son. Uh, She runs over to him, tries to rouse him, see if he's okay. But it was to no avail. She told the rest of the group she was hysterical. She was like, oh, my gosh, he's dead. Like, Because he just basically just dropped dead. She was really upset. She wanted to have a moment with him I suppose before she continued on because I guess you know that you're going to have to leave him out there it's not like you can take him with you so she told the rest of the group to continue on towards the forest area because there was shelter there and they started to do that but they didn't get very far they only got a couple of steps down that hill before they heard Luda screaming as well they turn around they run to her to see what's going on and as they approach her they see that she too was foaming from the mouth and blood was pouring from her eyes and nose. She then also had a seizure and collapsed on top of Sasha. The first person to get to Luda and Sasha was Tatiana. And as she reached them, she all of a sudden starts grabbing her throat like she couldn't breathe. And then she collapsed. But instead of having a seizure and just dying outright, she crawls over to a rock and just like in a goddamn horror movie, starts smashing her head against it violently until she loses consciousness and dies. That's fucked up. Yes, it is. I mean, I can only imagine the rest of the crew going, what? Oh, my God. So Valia tries to grab Victoria and drag her down, but when she goes to do it, she turns around to Valia and bites her on the arm like a rabid dog. 
She lets go of her, Toria collapses and appears to die there on the spot as well. The others were understandably completely freaked out by this. Dennis goes and just finds a freaking rock to hide behind because what else are you going to do at this stage other than just run? He goes and hides while Victoria and Timur both just take off. Like I said, you're either hiding or you're running at this stage. They didn't get very far though because both collapsed mid-run and started clawing at their throats and vomiting blood. Then they began to tear their clothes off. Dahlia, who had been completely frozen on the spot, she's the only one that didn't run or hide, is just watching everything unfold at this stage. She snaps out of it. She runs to Dennis, who is the only one alive still, and together they say, right, we've got to get the hell out of here. Let's start to run. Unfortunately, they didn't make it too far before Dennis started to have a seizure and collapsed and died as well. So Valia's just witnessed her entire group die horrifically within like a minute. She runs for it, you know, surely believing that she's going to be next. I mean, she has no way of knowing what, what has actually happened to everyone. She must have been thinking, I'm going to be next. She didn't want to hang around to grab all of the supplies that she needed, so she just grabs her pack. And I, I, I'm guessing just like whatever is easily at hand. I think that she grabs a tent just so that she knows that she'll have shelter that night and she just goes, she just runs and goes down the mountain, finds the tree line, decides that she's as far away as she is comfortable enough and probably rejoices in the fact that she is still alive by the time she gets there. So she camps for the night and likely to her surprise, she wakes up the next day. She is then faced with an awful realisation that she's actually going to need to go back to where everyone had died in order to get enough supplies to survive. She knows she's going to have to hike out. She knows she's a really long way from anywhere. And in order to do that successfully, she has to go and get the supplies that are left with everyone. She treks back up the mountain. She finds the site and everyone is exactly where she left them and quite clearly dead. She takes what she needs and she starts to trek out. So for six days, she hikes on following some power lines until she is found by the kayakers. And then eventually, as we know, she was found and tells her story. So what do you think so far? I want to cry. How horrific would that have been? Like, oh, my God. That is so messed up. Like, I thought it was bad at the point where they were bleeding from the eyes and from a mountain seizuring. And then to hear that, like, there's someone smashing their head against a rock. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, there is something going on in the brain that is so incredibly awful. Painful, I would say. Like, painful. Yeah. That the only thing your body can do is try kill yourself by smashing your head against a rock because you would rather do that then continue to feel whatever is happening in your brain. Yeah. Like death is better. Yeah. I just, this is creepier than the last one because there's <laughs> someone to say what happened. Exactly. We have a unique situation in that we have a survivor in this one that can yeah. actually. So tell last us what time happened. it was like, here are the bodies and the way the bodies were found and like the, the limited evidence that there was was like, okay, what the heck happened? Now it's like, okay, what the heck happened? Yeah. This is like terrifying. Yeah. I wouldn't go back. Like I would, I don't care. Like I would not have been able to go back to where it happened. Yeah. It would have taken a lot of guts to do that. You've got to say. 
Like that is, I would be like, no. Yeah. And she's a teenager. She's a young girl. Like this must have just been extra horrific for her, I think. Oh. You always have that sort of sense that, you know, when you're a kid, you've got a grown-up with you who knows what they're doing and everything's going to be okay because they, they've got control of things. But all of a sudden, not only do you not have that anymore, but everyone around you has just died horrifically. Like It just must have been so horrible for her. So Valia is taken to the police, tells her story, and, of course, a search party is sent out straight away, including helicopters. The search went on for a few days and finally on August 26th when, incidentally, the, the rescue chopper actually wasn't out there looking for them at this time. He was actually, well, they were actually transporting two hikers who had become lost and were rescued in a completely unrelated case when they flew over where the bodies were. Mm. So the rescuers noted that the bodies were not in a great state. Uh, the eyes and the eye sockets were completely eaten away. They also noticed that all of the hikers were not dressed sufficiently, um, some of them being only in underclothes, and three of them were barefoot as well. So I don't know whether this happened when they were seen tearing their clothes off. Autopsies then showed that they had all died of hypothermia, or that was the official finding anyway. So let's just talk about that first, shall we? So hypothermia. No. Yeah, there, there is a thing called paradoxical undressing. Have you heard of this before? No. So basically it's when you get to a point where you are hypothermic. So we're talking in the snow, out in the elements. Your body starts to feel like it's on fire and actually feels like you're hot. So people sort of in a stupor state will start to take their clothes off and it just sort of accelerates their deaths basically because they, they get even colder. But it is a phenomenon that happens and maybe that sort of played into what people thought happened. But... Hypothermia itself is a diagnosis, so to speak. It just doesn't explain the symptoms that were seen. And we have someone that saw them as well. So I have never heard of bleeding from orifices or foaming at the mouth or anything like that being caused by hypothermia. Generally, people just go to sleep and they just don't wake up as far as I know. You know, I just, why is the government just putting that label on it instantly and saying, no, no, nothing to see here, hypothermia? Especially the Russian government. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So another theory is that they all experienced altitude sickness. Now, pulmonary edema can happen uh, when people get past a certain level, a certain height in the air. It's usually not that low. 2,400 metres isn't that high as far as that sort of thing goes. In the high altitudes, though, people do get pulmonary edema. And this can cause foaming at the mouth. As far as I know, it doesn't cause the bleeding out of ears and noses and that sort of thing. Maybe nose because it's like the foam coming out. But it would be very strange that they were all struck down at exactly the same time with altitude sickness. Uh, they just, I just feel like they weren't high enough for that to happen and especially not happening all at once. That usually doesn't happen. Mm. Um, now, there is some information out there to suggest, because I looked, because I was like, okay, I gotta look into this. Some people say that you can feel the effects of altitude over 2,000 meters, and they were at 2,300, 2,400. So I think that that means, though, that you start to get a headache or you start to feel a little bit ill or you get tired. I don't think it means that you die of altitude sickness at that height. No. So maybe, 
maybe it's a combo of it being really cold and being at a little bit of an altitude. I don't know. But they just weren't at those extremes. Remember, this was summer. It was wet. It was cold. It was horrible. But it was not. There was not snow. It was not below freezing. So I just yeah. feel like both of those things weren't extreme enough to have affected them that way. So questions have been asked of Luda and how her tough love techniques may have played a part. Apparently, she was known for making things tougher for her students by working them to exhaustion and decreasing their food rations. Now, Valia states that they were eating well and that Luda was a good instructor who never took things too far. So I guess it's just a case of do you believe her or not? She may have, you know, not wanted to dirty her name or something like that. But they were also younger. Maybe that was feedback from, I would think, maybe older people. Yep. Like older hikers. Yeah, yeah. One of the rescuers did note that at their previous camp, so where they'd had breakfast that morning, there was only one empty can, perhaps suggesting that food was being withheld. Maybe, you know, they had to share very small amounts of food. But, I mean, to me as a hiker, when you go out hiking, it's leave no trace. And these guys were all about the wilderness. And I would say they probably just packed their rubbish with them, (laughs) you know. I I wouldn't rely on that. There is evidence in the autopsies that malnourishment had led had actually occurred. So this is mm-hmm. this is a theory that may be a little bit plausible as a factor, not necessarily as their outright deaths. Um, there may have been breakdown of tissues. There may have been a protein deficiency. But remember, they were they were had they were on day three. They hadn't been seriously hiking for weeks and weeks with little wow. food, you know. And as you said, they're young. You know, they have reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if, and, you know, because when people do have protein deficiency, this can put pressure on the organs and can make them fail. But I just I just feel like that's just a bit of a stretch to say that, you know, after two days, somebody's going to be that malnourished that they, their organs just all multiply fail all at once. Only if you're a cat. Yes, if you are a cat not eating meat, this may happen. <laughs> if you're a cat that hasn't been fed for two hours. Oh, yeah, they'll let you know. Actually, you know, it's amazingly, as you say that, my cat is meowing outside my door. Because <laughs> she, she wants to go. You're a terrible loner. Yeah. And you are starving it. I am, absolutely. Have mm. you seen how fat my cats are? <laughs> yeah, they could go more than a few days. Oh, yeah. Well and truly. Okay, so of course, we also have the obvious question of why Valya was seemingly unaffected. How can it be such a difference in outcome with six people just dropping dead instantly and one person surviving? Now, it came out that the group had been collecting something called roseroot, which is a succulent-like plant that has many medicinal properties. And I think they'd been collecting it because, I don't know, they were going to sell it or they were going to use it themselves or whatever, found out in the mountains. So one of those places you could get it. Now, I straight away, when I heard this, looked into what this stuff is and what these properties actually are. And apparently it has been used to increase stamina and physical endurance. And also it's been said to increase resistance to altitude sickness. So, of course, these properties have not been proven. It's it's like a herbal traditional remedy. Rub some coconut oil on it. Yeah, that's it. But it's worth noting that it's been said by a lot of people. And, you know, herbs have been around forever. People use them with success. So 
There's no reason to doubt it as far as I think. So they were collecting the rose root, but were they eating it? Or more specifically, was Valia eating it? Perhaps she had been munching away on it and nobody else had, and that had made her a little bit more resilient to what was going on. That was never confirmed. Like I feel like someone should have asked her about that. I mean, that'd be pretty amazing if that was the case, that she was saved by a rose root. Yeah, I was just I just had a quick Google because I was like, hmm, a succulent. <laughs> <laughs> I love succulent. Um, just seeing if I have it. It increases brain serotonin by up to 30%. Ah, get onto it. And <laughs> I think we could all use a little bit of rose root. Um, <laughs> it has an enhancing effect upon physical endurance, like you said, <laughs> and sexual potency. There Ooh. you go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what natural medicine herbs says anyway. Okay. Hmm. Interesting to note anyway. Yeah. So what are your thoughts so far on all of that? Look, I don't know why she hasn't been affected. I don't know enough about altitude sickness and hypothermia and all of these sorts of things to rule them out. But the dramatic things that happened are just pretty horrific. Yeah. Or I don't know. I don't know. To me, it's neurological. Yes. Like, and painful sounds like a lot of pain and neurological. Um, I think when we talked about this last time, we talked about, I mean, is it like radioactive? Mm-hmm. Um, just given the sudden onset. But then again, um, why why was value not effective? If it was radioactive, you would expect everyone to be affected. Mm. I mean, people have sort of put out there that maybe it was like an acid rain situation. I mean, we know that the Soviets have been doing weapons testing out in the mountains forever. And, you know, we know that acid rain does exist. So maybe they topped up their water bottles from the rain that was there and that made them sick or something along those lines maybe. Maybe they wanted her alive. Yeah, I, I don't know. As a warning. <laughs> That's going really far into the conspiracy theory now. <laughs> I love a conspiracy theory. Um, because like the last lot, they were in an area where they shouldn't have been. No, but this time they were in an area where tourists went all the time. Okay. Like there were three different hiking groups in that area at that time and, and people were always there. So I think that that's more of a, case with the with the outlaw people not necessarily okay. this month these mob yeah i think that looking at the symptoms we need 5G. to it's hey? 5g it's 5g 5G. back in the 5G. 90s definitely yeah military grade technology serbian yeti <laughs> yeah exactly and there's no yeti in this case amazingly okay. very sad mm. we need to consider Looking at these symptoms, the idea that a poisoning may have occurred, I think. Uh, I think that, I mean, we have to consider that maybe Luda in her extreme wilderness training mode maybe had the students scavenged for their food. We know that, you know, even though they may have packed out their rubbish, there was only one tin of breakfast among the seven of them that morning. So did she make them find the rest? And in doing so, did they find something poisonous like mushrooms or something like that? But why wouldn't the survivor say so? Yeah, exactly. I I really would love to sit her down and talk to her. I have so many questions. But it would explain things if, if they had eaten something because, like, maybe Valia didn't eat it. 
or drink it or whatever it was. Maybe she doesn't like mushrooms. And, you know, that would explain why she was okay and everyone else wasn't. We know that mushrooms can be damn poisonous. Um, so, you know, maybe it's something along those lines. Mm. Another theory goes more into the government conspiracy angle with weapons testing. The same sort of thing. Thank that you. We, yep, yep. Sorry. Validation, validation. Um, the same sort of thing that we discussed with the Dyatlov case. Um, but the thing is that unlike the Dyatlov case, we have a survivor here. So she never said anything about seeing weird lights or military people in the area or anything like that. Um, I mean, of course, she may be lying to cover something up for her own safety, but her account of events does match the evidence. Like the way that she says things happen matches how their bodies were found. Also, she was alone in the forest for days. If government agents wanted to silence her, then it wouldn't have been hard to do that. Mm. Another theory was the same one that we discussed with the Dyatlov Pass with the infrasound. So perhaps there was just that perfect storm of elements and wind and pressure to make infrasound. So for anyone who doesn't remember, that is where you have sound at these levels where you can't actually hear it with your ears, but your body reacts to it and can make you basically go crazy. Yeah, um, and that's like what they what when 5G was used for military purposes back before it was used for anything else. The whole thing is about the power of the power that it's used. So you can use it to this many, this this high. Anything past that causes you to go insane. And yeah. that's what they found when it was used against enemy targets was that people literally felt like they were going crazy because they could hear things in their head and mm. they would be trying to like, yep. you know, scratch their eyes out and stuff like that. Yeah, that's it. And that might explain the whole smashing their head on the rock thing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the one that gets me. So, okay, yeah, someone's eating something and they start frothing at the mouth and bleeding from the nose and the eyes and all of that. Okay, yeah, poisoning, I get that. But for someone to just be like, okay, I'm going to start smashing my head against the rock mm. without any explanation. They can't physically, verbally get the words out to explain yeah. what they're feeling and the only yeah. thing they can do is that. That's the one that sticks in my mind that makes me go, okay, this is weird. Yeah, exactly. As far as infrasound goes, apparently they've looked at the area and it's not really the right area or conditions for that, but who knows what was happening on the day. Man-made military. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But they did ask her. <laughs> they were like, yeah. what do you think happened <laughs> to with all the craziness that happened out there? Yeah. She just basically says, I just think everyone went crazy. So a bit of a cop out. <laughs> Doesn't really explain yeah. things adequately. Yeah, she does. I think that she was quite traumatized by it. Of course she would be. She's so. a young girl. Yeah. And in front of her eyes, what she saw, yeah. people were going crazy. Yeah, exactly. They were acting like crazy people. Yeah, exactly. So if you had to hazard a guess, what would be your call on what's happened? See, I just like the idea of the government being involved somehow, the military being involved. I just don't think that they'd pick that area where there was tourists everywhere. Usually I'm, I'm right there with you, but I just don't feel it on this one. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. There's so, I mean, Siberia is a huge, huge place. You know, they, there's millions of other places they could have looked at if they were testing things or whatever. Look, it's I been think accidental though. Yeah, I guess, but wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know. I just not going to come forward and say sorry. We accidentally yeah. did this Whoops. thing here. That we're not. <laughs> Whoops, sorry, we weren't meant to be doing that here. But yeah. one yeah. of our soldiers 
got his north and east and south and west wrong and we ended up testing in the wrong area. So hey, you, Alexi? That's all right. He's been taken to the gulag. He's been dealt with. Yeah. But um, I think that there's a possibility that Luda pushed these kids pretty hard on a week where the weather was just a little bit too extreme to do that. I think that they were exhausted, hungry, freezing, and not necessarily in like a good way, not in a this will make you stronger like character building way, but more of like a this is going to make you rather vulnerable way. Yeah. I think that it's possible that hypothermia made them susceptible to something else, whether that be altitude sickness or, um, you know, whatever it was that, that got them in the end. And for whatever reason, value was just that little bit stronger. Maybe she was taking the rose route. I, I don't know. I really do think though, like if I had to put my money in a hat, it would be the poisoning. Uh, I think this is a possibility. The account of what happened to them really does sound like a poisoning. Like the things that happened to those people, it was quick, it was everyone, and it was symptoms that sound like a pretty extreme poisoning to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where I'd sort of put my money at this stage. However, it wouldn't be a Russian mystery without a little bit of conspiracy. <laughs> so in looking at researching this episode, I found some info that isn't everywhere. Like it's not stated in many places. It turns out that Natalia, so this is Luda's daughter who was meant to meet up with them um, on that day. She was actually paid a very large sum of money after being brought into an office. So she got pulled into a random office with some strange people, was given a large sum of money and told to never, ever speak about the incident to anyone. She was even forbidden from seeing her mother's body. In fact, everyone who died that day had closed caskets. No one was allowed to see them, which could just be given the state of the bodies. We know that their eyes were missing and that sort of thing. But hush money, right? That doesn't happen for no reason. Yeah. So what exactly happened? I have no idea. But I think that we have this wild card of maybe the government. Barry's compass was broken. Barry's fault. Barry? Not the north yeah. and the, that's yeah. what I'm going with. Soldier <laughs> Barry, I'm telling you. Yeah, he dropped that uh, chemical Not weapon. saying it was intentional. Yeah. Maybe it was accidental, not meant to happen there, but did happen, got a cover. But why was Valure okay? What did because... she do differently? That's what gets me. Like whatever it was, she was not exposed to it. Either that or her constitution. Were they in a flat area? Were they on a hill? They were on a hill, but it wasn't like a sheer she drop lower? hill. It was like a, a smoothly contoured, undulating style hill. Was she like lower down? No, they were all together. Like they were literally just walking all together and they started dropping like flies. She's a superhuman. <laughs> yeah, know. that's it. She's a little bit more resilient than the rest of them maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was weapons testing and maybe it was sound related and for whatever reason she doesn't hear that sound I don't I don't know yeah I wonder if she had like hearing issues or something or there was something about her that made her not hear in infrasound or a, a specific that's what I mean like maybe she can't hear a certain pitch mm, yep or smell something the same way look if it wasn't for this whole hush money thing I'm definitely saying it's a poisoning but that's just weird. Like, why do that? I don't understand why. Unless it was like a don't sue us because your mother died thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the system works over there. Um, you think that the, all the families would have got hush money then. And maybe they did and we just don't know about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, mm. usually hush money you don't know about. <laughs> yeah, I guess what we can, um, how we can sort of look at the Dyatlov mystery, I mean, as, as we said, we have a survivor in this case. Like, could it have been something weird like that that happened to the Dyatlov people, but there was just no survivors at the end of the day? Like, does it change anything about that case for you? This one change anything about Dyatlov? Mm. Mm, no, because I think that given different times of year, different weather, yeah, I think Dyatlov and the time that it happened in as well because it happened earlier. Mm-hmm. 30-odd 30 years, 30 years earlier, yeah. Yeah, so the hiking equipment, um, all uh, you know, all of that sort of stuff probably play into the Dyatlov, um, even just, you know, potentially the amount of people that would be out and about. Mm-hmm. Um, like if this particular incident had happened you know 30 years earlier there could have been the chat like maybe there wouldn't have been as many tourists going through maybe she never would have been found by those kayakers so it would have ended up the same way yeah exactly so the only reason that there really is the question mark is because there is a survivor yeah yeah the outlaw again i think the weather plays a part in in that because there could have if it was a different time of year and it wasn't such severe cold weather there potentially could have been a survivor or a couple of survivors because it was a larger group, um, but they were battling far more extreme conditions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that whatever got the Diat Love group was, um, as, as the official finding said, a large compelling force. Like I think it was something that physically got them, um, you know, whether it be a, a government weapon or whatever. But I think that I think that what happened in this case was a bit more subtle. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah very strange i don't think they're related um only for the fact that we have a dodgy russian government that may or may not have done things but yeah interesting nonetheless that it's a follow-on to the Dyatlov mystery and there's no mention wait who was the surviving girl valia no nothing like no future interviews she's never said she anything did. further yeah so she's done interviews um in Russian, of course, so you can't YouTube it or anything like that. But yeah. I've seen a transcript of a interview that she did as an adult. I mean, now she'd be like forties in her forties, mm-hmm. um, and you know she's gone on to have a perfectly normal life for all intents and purposes. But yeah, I read the transcript and it didn't really give any new information. It just just sort of, time and yeah. I and like I said, I wish I could ask her questions. Yeah. There's such pressing questions that need to be answered here. Like, you yeah. know, what did you have for breakfast? Was she, you know, making you scavenge? Or did you see any weirdness in the sky or anything it's like that? It's strange because you would have thought that given that, you know, there's people that have followed this and, you know, that sort of stuff, that she's never been asked these sorts of questions. But also think about it. Natalia got offered hush money. She yeah. was nowhere near what happened. She was just going to meet up with them later. Do you think yeah. that Valia wouldn't have got offered hush money? Maybe yeah. she's just not saying what really happened because she doesn't want to get killed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so there's always that element of it too. I find it hard to believe that she wouldn't, if there was something to hide, that she wouldn't have been paid off for it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think we'll uh, chalk that one up to a possible government conspiracy. Governments love to pay people up. Yeah, 
yeah, I don't know. I'm still waiting for them to pay me off. Uh, yeah, we need to witness something dodgy. <laughs> just anything, a little bit of cash yeah. would help. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, all right, well, thank you, everyone. Uh, we have a website now, very exciting news, if you want to go and check mm-hmm. it out. Uh, details of it on our, or on our Facebook page. Um, Don't forget about Instagram as well. Yes, Instagram, Facebook. And um, if you could please, if you listen to us on iTunes, if you could go and give us a review, that would be really helpful. The more good reviews we get, the higher up we go and more people will know about us. So that would be really, really helpful if you could do that. But otherwise, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.